Well, good morning, Christian Coffee Time. Here we are again. I say that almost every time. But we are here. <laughs> yep, here we are. Well, what a privilege it is to be able to study the Bible, the Word of God, to look into these things, look into the future. Everybody wants to know what the future's all about. Well, here we can look into the Bible and see what's coming down the road, the good and the bad. So we're up to chapter 13 in the book of Revelation. Get your Bible open and get uh, some paper and some pens and pencils. You can write down things, make notes for yourselves, and especially the references to other Bible uh, um, uh, verses to cross-reference and stuff. We need need to do that. That's very uh, helpful for us. Let's pray for a moment. Father, we just thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name that we can study the Word of God here today. And we need your help, Lord. And we can't understand these things without you, dear Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for going to the cross for us. Thank you for interceding right now on our behalf. And Father, that all these things that are said and done, our studies here, Lord, we honor you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So let's get going on this. Whereas I said in chapter 13, we're going to do the first 10 verses. Because in chapter 13, there's basically two, well, maybe more sections, but we're going to look at it in two sections and look at two individuals that will be um, key players or the, 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 uh, the, um, what, the most prominent players in this section here. Now, a lot of the things that we've looked at before, especially like in chapter 12 and stuff, is building up to this point. This is the midway point of the 70th week of Daniel, the middle of that seven-year period, the three-and-a-half-year point. Um, the seventh trumpet has sounded, which introduced the third woe upon the inhabitants of the earth. It's important for us to see those woes as they come along there. It shows us a chronological order of the book of Revelation. and also shows us here we're at the, at the halfway point. The third woe is upon the inhabitants of the earth. Um, we know that the believers were taken up way back in chapter 7 verse 14 tells us that because the trumpets were about to bring the wrath of God. So God had to remove his people from off the earth. Jesus came and removed them at that particular time. The sign for that was the sun, the moon, and the stars being darkened. As we saw um, in chapter 6 verse 12 also Matthew uh, 24, you'll find that, and you go back to Joel chapter 2, and you'll find that in verse 30, 31 in there. Anyways, the, um, there, in chapter 12, which sets up as introduction, it's not fair to say that because it's not that chapter 12 is less than chapter 13, but everything that's said builds up and builds up into the next thing and such. So you can't just come along and take one little bit out and expect to understand it all. You have to take it as a unit that builds on and refers back and so on and so forth. Um, there was war in heaven, we saw in chapter 12. The devil and his angels were cast out. Michael and his angels were stronger, are stronger. Remember, all this is future yet, okay? It's a seven-year period of time. You go back to Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. We'll explain the, the 70 uh, years or 70 weeks of years, at 77s, which is 490 years. Uh, and the Lord has showed us in that portion in Daniel that 69 of those 70 weeks um, we've seen. 
He's had that one block of seven years yet is a future thing to come. I believe the Lord just keeps moving it on because of his grace, but uh, we can prove that, but uh, we don't need to make a big thing about it. But we know it's future from us here right now. The important thing is for you to know Jesus Christ as your Savior because there's things coming down the road that you're going to be fooled with because the devil's going to deceive, and he deceives the nations. And he's going to deceive people in those times to thinking that he is and his man that he uh, possesses and inhabits, uh, uh, in, in, in that he is the Messiah. Okay, and he's going to show himself as the Christ. He's the Antichrist instead of Christ. Okay, um, the war in heaven, the devil and his angels are cast out, and the devil is very, very angry. The word. Um, uh, uh, wrath is used, and that word is the idea of a great fury and a great uh, just explosive anger because he knows he has a short time left. He's got three and a half years left. Um, he just has uh, that bit of time left to do his thing. The Lord's going to give him that time where he's going to actually be able to rule, but still he's under what God says he can do and cannot do. You go back to Job and read about that kind of thing. Persecution of the Jews of, of Israel and any believers on the earth will be uh, um, seen at this time coming through uh, from this uh, uh, midpoint. The 666 comes out and all that. Now you say, well, how come there's believers on the earth? Well, remember there was 144,000, <coughs> excuse me, sealed uh, to go in through that time to minister for the Lord and the things of the Lord. And people would get saved from that in that time. So you have the uh, nation of Israel. They would have seen Jesus in the clouds. They saw him and, and likely many uh, turned unto him at that time. Um, the believers on the earth would be saved through the ministry of the 144,000. Now the covenant that the, this beast, this Antichrist guy whom we saw first of all in Revelation chapter 6 verses uh, 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 1 and 2 with the rider on the white horse, he's that one that made that covenant with Israel and such, see Daniel 9.27 for that, and he wishes to set himself up as God, he's going to set himself up as God himself. And remember the Lord Jesus said that me you, you, you uh, will not receive, but there will be another one coming in his own name that you will receive. And it's, he's talking about this guy. This is the guy right here. The devil's guy. Um, 2 Thessalonians chapter f 2 verse 4, he, he wishes to set, set himself up as God ruling and, and as God in the temple to be worshipped. This is what the devil wants to do. It's his desire to rule and have that worship. And remember, I mentioned last time, you should go and check out Isaiah uh, chapter 14, verses 13 and 14. We see what we call the, well, the Bible calls it, it's the I wills of the devil. He says, I will do this and I will be this. And there's five things there. He says, I will ascend um, into, into heaven I will exalt myself above the stars of God. I will sit upon the, um, uh, on the mount of the congregation. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. He wants himself to be set up as God. He thinks he can replace God. Now, he was one of the, um, the covering cherub 
The cherubim was uh, one of the guardians of God's holiness, and cherubims are used as guardians. Remember the, in the Old Testament, the um, Ark of the Covenant made in that place where God would meet. He would meet with, with uh, uh, um, the priest in that space above the top of the uh, mercy seat. God would be there, and there would be these angels, actually they're cherubims, with their wings touching like this. They're overarching and watching and, and such like that. In the Garden of Eden, the Lord set the cherubims to guard the entrance into the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were put out so they wouldn't come back and eat of the Tree of Life and live forever in the state that we're in. But the Lord of the devil says, I will be like the Most High. He's referencing God's power and such and the name for God used there uh, that he used is just to use that name that represents and uh, uh, has power with it. That's what it, what, what it means. Not the words for God's care or shepherding of his people, but just to rule over people. Just to rule. That's all he wants to do. And here we have, we're looking at it now in chapter 13. It's come to fruition. The devil's very angry, very, very upset, isn't he? And uh, so let's get into it and have a look at some of the things here. Some of the things we just have to shake our head at and say, I'm not sure what that means, but we'll see when we get to them. But anyways, in chapter 13, verse 1, And I stood upon the sand of the sea. Of course, you know, this is John, um, the disciple that uh, Jesus loved, the beloved one that uh, uh, was so close to the Lord Jesus. He says, I stood upon the sand of the sea. So John is giving, given, being given these visions or a glimpse of the future, however you want to put that thing. And you know that God knows and sees everything. And God is above all things. Praise the Lord and Jesus Christ. And I stood upon the sand of the sea and I saw a beast rise up out of the sea. Now this is a strange kind of thing. So John says, he's standing on the seashore on the sand and he, he sees out in the, in the water uh, this thing coming up out of the sea. Now, say, so well, what is the sea? Well, we have here in chapter 13 these two individuals. One is one we call the Antichrist, is the beast. Um, and the other one is the false prophet, the second beast. And the first one rises up out of the sea, the second one rises up out of the earth. Now, I'm not sure about the earth and what the connotation there is what that that means some say well it has to do with the religious uh, systems and such that the false prophet will head up and this guy maybe be being more political well I don't think he's just political he wants to be worshipped you see that's the point of it all but nonetheless over in Revelation chapter 17 and verse 15 we have where it talks about the woman that rides the beast the whore that sits on that beast and uh, um, it talks about the waters, and the waters are the people and nations and uh, tongues. The sea of people, perhaps that's what it means, we're referencing that it comes up out of that. I'm not 100% sure, but we just say that. You go and study that out and check it out yourself. Um, so we see that uh, he has this wrath, and now he wants to persecute, but he can only go so far as what God says, doesn't he? He rises up out of the sea of people. And it's interesting today, you look at the sea of people, of the people upon the earth, and it is a huge sea of people, billions upon billions of people. 
People turning away from God and the things of God are being pushed aside. Salvation in Jesus Christ isn't being focused upon, isn't being thought about. Used to be taught um, in the school system. They used to use the Bible to help children uh, learn how to read and things like that. I have an old uh, uh, New England primer. Uh, was the uh, textbook used for the early uh, um, children's education for the younger classes and that. It's, it's quite a fascinating thing where it uses the Bible as the uh, kind of your English textbook to teach you how to read and such and how to learn the things from the Bible. But today, the opposite takes place. They don't want to mention God because it's... Uh, a terrible and horrible thing that's taken place upon the earth that God is being forgotten. The Bible says that the nations that forget God shall be turned into hell. You see, people are turning away from God and they're turning to wicked things. They're turning from, uh, from the things of God and the structures of God going into things you look at like communism says there is no God, we, the government will be God to you. Um, we know the end of those things, it doesn't work. But here we have, see the beast has seven heads and ten horns. Now later on it explains the ten heads. Okay, we're in chapter 17. And the ten horns will be ten um, followers or appointed ones kind of like governors, I suppose, over ten regions, perhaps. And these will, get, these will give their allegiance to the beast, to the dragon. And it says that they have ten crowns. Now, these crowns, as we mentioned earlier, uh, last time in chapter 12, we had the sign of the, the woman clothed with the sun and a, a crown on her head, and then the red, red dragon with all these crowns on his heads where they were different crowns. One is a victor's crown, uh, one from uh, somebody has won or accomplished something and there's a, a, a being noted for that. The other one is one for a ruler, somebody that will rule or does rule. Now these characters, the ten crowns, they will rule, but the devil has uh, his rule for that time. In verse one, the ten crowns, and upon his heads the name of blasphemy. What's the name of blasphemy? Well, anything that speaks against God or in place of God, isn't it? It's interesting to note, I've seen that on the uh, Pope has this mitre, this funny kind of hat that he has sometimes, and it, it has uh, uh, um, some words on it, and basically says, the Vicar of Christ. Now, when we look at that and you think of it, the word vicar, we get our word vicarious from that, which means in place of or a substitution of. Well, that's blasphemy, folks. That is just out and out blasphemy to say that a man is in place of Christ or Christ upon the earth, and there he is. Uh, that's just blasphemy. And that's what it is. That's what the Bible says. That's what God says. There it is. Uh, that kind of thing. So it's going to be, but what we're going to see here at this time, oh, I don't mean we will see it. The believers won't see it. If you're not saved, you might be there and see it for sure. You better get yourself saved. That this is what's going to happen, that things are going to turn and they're going to want to get rid of the things of God and they want to get rid of the things of Christ and such. They won't be able to. It will be their own destruction that comes. 
but uh, they're going to try to do that. that uh, names of blasphemy. Let's go a little further here in verse 2. And the beast which I saw was like unto a leopard, and his feet were as the feet of a bear, and his mouth is the mouth of a lion. And the dragon gave him his power and his seat and his great authority. That's interesting, a leopard with those spots and such. Feet like a bear, a mouth of a lion. Well, if you were to go back and look at the beasts in Daniel chapter 7, you'll see that um, it's perhaps a composite of some of those. It talks about a bear and a lion and a leopard. And then this other thing that's a, a different kind of a creature. Anyways, and the dragon gives him his power. That's his might, his ability. That's the devil himself. The great red dragon, the devil, that old serpent. Gives him his seat, his place of rule. His authority to go and do these things. Now remember, over and above all things is God. If God says jump, these characters got to say how high. You know. God is the ruler over all things. Everything but God is created, whether it's the angels, the cherubims, or the earth, or the people on the earth, or anything else, is just created, and God created them, and they will do his bidding if he wants. And these are tools. The devil and his angels are going to be God's tools, because he's going to punish the world for its sin and wickedness in this time, and he's going to use these characters to do it. Let's go on to verse 3. And I saw one of uh, his heads as it were wounded to death, and his deadly wound was healed, and all the world wondered after the beast. One of his heads, so he's got these um, ten heads, one of the uh, um, heads is wounded. Now the idea behind that word wounded there is that he is slain. It's like he, he loses his life. Okay. And all the world wonders after him. So what we see here is what I would call a, um, uh, an imitation, a copycat, a false resurrection. There's something that's not mentioned here. Now you keep this, I think it's very important, what's not mentioned. So we see this beast guy, he's trying to get the people to follow him and he's going to do something to show that he's the Messiah, that he's slain and then he's back to life again. But when we think of Jesus Christ, you want to copy Jesus Christ, you've got uh, the cross indicating the death of Christ, the Son of God giving his life on the cross of Calvary for the sins of the whole world and for all sin of all people of all time. He sheds his blood, gives his life on the cross, and then they do what? And then they bury him in the tomb, and for, he's in the tomb for three days and three nights by Jewish time, and that, we talked about that earlier, and he's risen from the dead on the, uh, the third day. Here, this character, there's nothing mentioned of him being buried. Uh, you can't fake a death and have somebody be buried, <laughs> you know? That's why I think this is a fake thing that's happening here in, in Revelation. That's just my opinion, but you take a look at what it says and what it doesn't say He's not being buried. This is a copycat. This is a false resurrection to fool people. Just look at all the world wonder, the future, all the world, that means all of the unsaved that are on the earth will wonder at him. That word wonder means to marvel, to admire. They're going to think he's something. He's going to tell them he's Jesus Christ. Got to remember the devil's a liar. 
He said, another will come in his own name, and him ye will receive. There's no mention of burial, only death and resurrection. We look at Jesus Christ, the gospel, the good news is that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, God himself paid the price of our sins with his blood that was shed. Because sin is so horrible, it requires bloodshed. It requires death. That's what it brings. Sin brings death. Jesus took our sins on him, and he died at the cross there. And they buried him in the tomb, and he rose from the dead in the third day to show that sin is defeated, death is defeated, and that he certainly is the Son of God, God himself, manifest in the flesh. That's our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen? Hallelujah for that. Yep. So we see that uh, one, of, one of the heads here is very prominent. The Bible has more to say on that back in Daniel on these ones. And later on, we'll get into more uh, stuff about that. But we see that. I'm going to have to set that camera reset in just a minute. Uh, down to verse 4. And they worshipped the dragon. What does it mean? You know what it means to worship. I mean, we gather in our church service. We worship God the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We worship Him. We gather together. We worship Him with our prayers, with our singing, with our our fellowship, we give him our offerings and we open the word of God and we look into it and we study the word of God, recognizing it as the word of God. That's all worship towards him. But the whole world will follow after this beast and they will um, worship him. They will worship the dragon. Isn't that a sad thing that today even on this old earth here that there's people that have, they go to the churches, the devilish churches set up across like North America and stuff. And people go and they worship this stuff. People don't know what they're doing. Because of his phony death and phony resurrection and being a phony Messiah, the world is deceived. Your only protection from this stuff is Jesus Christ, is God Almighty and the Word of God. Get yourself into it, get studying it, get drawing yourself close to Jesus, looking to him. So anyways, we see in verse 4, and they, the whole world worshiped the dragon because of this uh, death that this one individual will be slain. And he'll have to, if he's going to be slain, he's going to have to be resurrected because he's going to pretend to be the Messiah. And all the world follows after him. Um, if you're not, not a believer, if you're unsaved, and you're on the earth at that time, and it could happen soon. It could be 50 years, it could be 100 years, we don't know could be shortly. If you're on the earth and you're unsaved, you'll be probably worshiping that dragon. Yeah. It won't be a fun thing. The dragon, the devil himself, gives authority to the beast. And all the people say, who is like unto him? They say, who is like unto him? Comparing, there's nobody on the earth like this character. Other portions talk about him doing miracles and things and calling down fire from heaven and stuff like that. You know, people will be saying, whoa, look at this, look at it, you can do all this stuff. Who's like him? And they know nothing about God. God to them is just some the God of their understanding, and this one they will think he is. Who is able to make war with him? Now this is an interesting thing because back in Daniel, I forget what chapter it is, Seven, oh, I think it's chapter 11 of Daniel. Yeah, I think it's chapter 11. It talks about and describes this individual a bit. 
and how he will be um, have something to do with war and things like that. It'll be a war like. Um, anyways, who will make war with him? There's a description of his power and the things that he does in that. And he will war with when Jesus returns to come right down to the earth is Armageddon later on in chapter 19. They'll gather them all together and Jesus is just going to beat them all up. He's going to destroy them and slaughter them all. It's going to be done. But there will be a three and a half year reign of, of this stuff. Verse 5 goes on to describe, and I saw one of his heads as it were wounded in death and his deadly wound was healed. See that? His deadly wound was healed and all the world wondered after the beast. Well, that was verse 3. And they worshipped the dragon which gave power unto the beast. And they worshipped the beast, saying, Who is like unto the beast, who is able to make war with him? Verse 5. And there was given unto him a mouth, speaking great things. So when he rises up to this place of prominence, this place that he wants, he says, I will be worshipped like the Most High, this uh, phony Messiah. Then he starts his speaking all kinds of blasphemies and things against God and the things of God and the things of, uh, uh, um, it says he blasphemes against God, blasphemes against God's name, blasphemes against God's tabernacle, his dwelling, and those that dwell in heaven. You see, the saints that are even in heaven. Well, he's upset because he got kicked out. He got booted out of heaven. Michael and his angels are more powerful because they had word from one angel with a word from God can defeat anything and anybody in fact in chapter 20 of Revelation one angel from God comes down with the chains and binds up the old devil and throws him in the bottomless pit and casts him locks him down there for a thousand years because God says jump and they'll say how high you've got to because he's God Almighty. But you see the arrogance here, blaspheming God. Now people blaspheme God all the time. They use Jesus Christ's name as a curse word. That's blasphemy. It's blasphemy. So we see the people on the earth are going to give their allegiance over to the dragon. Where's your allegiance today? To the things of earth? or the things of heaven. This old world's going to hell. Going to hell in a handbasket. Going quickly, isn't it? Psalms, is it 55? I mentioned it earlier. It talks about, And the nations that forget God shall be turned into hell. You take God out of the school system, out of the government system, out of the families, out of the homes, out of the hearts of people, take him out of society, and that society will deteriorate into a godless hell. And we are watching it happen today all around us. We are watching it happen. They want to boot God out, and they've done that job in the school system, in, in our governments, and all around and everything. And things aren't getting better. Things are becoming worse, becoming an absolute cesspool because God has been kicked out can't do that. You can't kick him out and expect to have some utopia. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. There's the principle of sowing and reaping in the Bible. Everything brings forth after its kind. Ungodliness will bring forth more ungodliness. And here's the culmination of it in chapter 13 of Revelation. 
the third woe upon the inhabitants of the earth, the worst thing, and the worst is yet to come. It's just going to get worse. All the world's going to give their allegiance to him. Verse, um, verse 7, And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. It was given unto him. Who gave him that? God gave that. God allowed that. He's going to allow that to take place. You ask me why. I don't have an answer for that right now. God will do what he wants to do because he is God. People blame God for all kinds of things. All kinds of things that aren't God's faults. Most man's doing this. The problem that this is upon the earth at that time in the future is not God's doing. It is man's doing. Man is wicked in the heart. People talk about today, we've got to take all the guns away from people because guns kill people. No, they don't. You've never seen a gun standing in a corner shoot, get up and shoot somebody. People kill people. Gun control won't cause, fix any problem. The problem is with the heart of mankind. There's where it is, right there. And it was given unto him to make war with the saints and to overcome them. And God says, this is what's going to be. And power, or the word is means authority was given it was given him over kindreds and tongues and nations so you see now he's got that he will have that authority over the nations and the people give it to him because they've been fooled and deceived by his deceptions and such and they're going to follow him they're going to fall into that thing um, verse 8 says and all that dwell upon the earth that little word all means the unbelievers, the, the dwellers of the earth, okay? The Christian is not really a dweller of the earth. Our home is heaven with the Lord. We're just passing through this old world. That old song that, uh, that uh, we used to sing when they had let us go to the seniors' homes and such to sing music for them. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. But there's some people that this is their life and this is their love of their life and the world and everything. And they that dwell upon the earth shall worship him. They'll worship the Antichrist, the dragon, it's man, whose names are not written. Here we go. This is, look at this. This is an eternal thing here. Whose names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. Revelation chapter 20, the great white throne judgment at the end of all things when Jesus judges every soul and they'll look through the books and the most horrible words in the Bible, you can put it this way, you can picture people brought up before God to stand before Jesus Christ and they look to see if your name's written in the Lamb's book of life. If you're saved, your name's in the Lamb's book of life. If you're not, they look through and uh, Individual, they'll call out, not found written. What an awful thing. What an awful condemnation. That's an eternal condemnation to the lake of fire. Not a nice thing to talk about. It's an awful, awful thing. His names are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Check it out at the end of uh, chapter 20. We'll get to that soon enough. If any man have an ear, let him hear. You got an ear to hear these things? You understand these things? You give thanks if you do because that's the Holy Spirit opening your understanding to accept these things. Some people don't want that. They don't want to listen to it. 
tried witnessing to a guy the other day, tried to give him a track. He said, I don't want that. An old fellow, he's just on death's door. He's got one foot in the grave, it seemed. He didn't want to hear it. Don't want it. Don't want to hear it. No way I could give him a track. I got to tell, tell him about Jesus anyways. Verse 10. Let's get going here. He that leads into captivity shall go into captivity, and he that kills with the sword must be killed with the sword. Now, I mentioned earlier about the uh, principle of sowing and reaping. It begins in Genesis chapter 1, where the Lord says how he made the animals, and he made all things, and everything brings forth after its kind. That's a natural thing in the earth, and it's also a spiritual principle in our life, um, in that the things that you do are going to bring forth a harvest. In fact, you can jot down Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For us right now, for today here, the way we live, our attitudes, thoughts, actions, treatment of others, how our view of God and all these things, we are sowing seeds that's going to bring a harvest down the road. <laughs> It might be a good harvest, and it, be, it might be a very bad one. The unsaved, though, will worship the dragon in those days, and those that are not found written in the Lamb's Book of Life, saved by belief, by trusting, by receiving Jesus Christ, the Savior, the Son of God, the Son of Man, God manifest in the flesh, and His name, Emmanuel, which is interpreted God with us. Do you have an ear to hear? Do you get these things? Do you see the downward spiral of the world today? And do you see Jesus Christ as your only hope? Yes. Verse 10 at the end it says, Here is the patience and the faith of the saints. All things will work out. God's in control. Don't get upset. It might get kind of rocky for a while. The boat might get shaken. The whole world's going to go through some terrible things, but God is in control. Your faith in Him, in Jesus Christ, look into the Lord, and just patience through it all. Just God's going to bring us through. He's going to bring the world through. He's going to bring a new world where Jesus Christ rules and a world in righteousness, it tells us in the Bible. So basically there you have the first section uh, the first half and the first individual here, that first beast that rises up. Verse 11 begins with the second one. We'll do that next time, but uh, for now that's enough stuff for us to look at and to consider. So let's just finish up. Um, so we have chapter 13, and you know when you say chapter 13 in the book of Revelation, you know it's about the Antichrist, the false prophet, and then we're going to look at the number 666, probably the most famous numbers in the world. And people are absolutely uh, uh, fascinated by this because the old nature of ourselves loves death and darkness and things. And people are fascinated by the 666. Some dumb people even get that tattooed on their bodies and stuff like that, you know. I'm, I'm, not, I'm sorry if, if you have an odd tattooed on you, but uh, I've got tattoos and it's a dumb thing. In my youth, just a stupid thing. I did not those numbers, but other things. But people are fascinated by those things, 
we're going to have a look at that next time. We'll look at the um, false prophet coming and the 666 and how it's relevant to us today. Okay? Anyways, thank you for your time. Um, don't forget to look back through this, read over the things that we've talked about, and read ahead, and we'll bring, bring all these things out next time for uh, the end of the chapter. Fascinating stuff. Tremendously fascinating stuff. Remember, this is the Word of God. and uh, God gave us His Word. What a wonderful thing for God to give us His Word to guide us, to teach us about ourselves, to teach us about Himself, our responsibilities. Read your Bible. There's what you need for today and always. Anyways, thank you very much, folks. Lord bless you, and uh, see you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye.